welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the great state of Texas where we are free to meet as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I'm not just proud to be an American, but I'm proud to be a Texan. So anyway, we're, we're honored to have you. If you're a guest with us, uh, Pastor Sheila will be in the lobby and I may make my way there as well uh, to meet you, but there will be somebody to meet you there. Is that be, would that be right, Sheila? Special room set up, yes. We have a special room for you as a guest. So, um, so let's jump into this. We're talking about the possible life, how to live in possible in an impossible world. How to live in possible in an impossible world. Our key scripture for 2021 is Luke 1:37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Can you just say that with me? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Uh, I wrote a poem because bottom line is God speaks to me through rhyme. What's crazy is way before I started this church, I'm talking back, 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 back. Uh, In 1987, from about 1987 to 1989, I preached in rhyme. (laughs) Everything rhymed. And... uh, and Pastor Sheila said, are, are you ever gonna grow up and not have to have everything rhyme? Like we're having a nursery rhyme here, you know? So, but anyway, seriously, she'd never, she would never say that, would you, Pastor Precious? Because she loves the poems I write her. Thank you, son. Did you hear Josh? He goes, oh, that was sort of, I don't know what that even is right there. But anyway, I wanna read this to you. Thank you, son, for that outcry. Okay. The possible life. How many of you want the possible life rather than the impossible life? Come on, y'all. The possible life is possible not based on what you can see. It's not possible because there's something so special about me. What is possible is not based on what has been in my past or what is now, right now in my present. What is possible is possible begins with his presence. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because of who Jesus is, all darkness has to cease. Amen. In his presence is fullness of joy. Every work of the devil he came to destroy. The possible life is possible, not just because I say it is. All things are possible when you know you are his. He is for you, so whatever is against you will fail. When God is with you, you will always prevail. No weapon formed against you will be able to hold you back. With the everlasting Father, you shall not lack. God withholds no good thing from those he calls his own. What is impossible for man, God makes possible from his throne. The possible life is possible when in my life I put God first. His super is added to my natural to break off every curse. God's power makes the possible possible when his hand is on my life, when I love, not hate, when I'm willing to fight the good fight. Possible doesn't just happen because I think I can. I must trust him with all my heart and on his promises take my stand. His promises make possible what is improbable to the natural eye, 
when all hell is breaking loose, all heaven is drawing nigh. A good place for an amen. Possible can only happen when you realize you're not enough, when you hit bottom and life is really tough. It's in those times when God says, come to me, it's only then there is divine possibility. When you feel like you don't have the answers and life's light grows very dim, God wants you to know he cares for you and only he can help you win. Our job is to believe that there is nothing that God can't do. With God, all things are possible because God is for you. The possible life is possible when you, go, when you know God works all things together in every season on your behalf. He makes good come from evil and right come from wrong when you're walking in his path. With God, nothing will be impossible for those who believe whatever you think is possible with God. Come on, y'all, you will achieve. Let's put a big hand clap on that for the glory of God, amen? So I'm gonna jump into this because there is a big, what I call elevated thought. This is Elevate Life Church, where when you elevate your thinking, come on, you elevate your life. So here's the thought. For all things to become possible on the outside, all things must become impossible on the inside. So whatever it is on the outside that you believe is possible, it must happen on the inside of you first. And what's so significant is that there's a lot of people that never understand how important your inward man is. In fact, if you are married, uh, just raise your hand, don't be ashamed. Okay, if you're married, uh, let me just tell you ultimately what attracts you or distracts you from the person that you're married to. What either draws you and resonates with you or causes dissonance and does not resonate with you. And that is a person's spirit. It doesn't matter how beautiful somebody is on the outside, what you're really drawn to is who a person is on the inside. And what's important for you to understand is, is that as you develop yourself inwardly, you will gain a confidence to make things on the outward or outwardly possible. Some people never draw this correlation. They never understand. They're looking for somebody that will make them feel better about themselves. And so oftentimes people don't marry the wrong people, they marry the right people for the wrong reason. And here's the reason, we meet somebody and many of us, whether we realize it or not, we project on them a desire that we want from them to make us feel better about ourselves than we actually feel about ourselves. And so oftentimes we're drawn to people because of how that person makes us feel about ourselves. We're not drawn to them because of who they are. And so we end up in relationships with people that make us feel better about ourselves. And so we get married because we think my life will be better with this person than without this person. And the only reason your life would be better with anybody than just you, yourself and you is because obviously that person adds some kind of value to your life that is not outward, but that is inward. So again, the title for the message is how to make the impossible. Well, let me look exactly what it is. 
how to live impossible, impossible in an impossible world. If you think in your mind and your heart that something is impossible, it will always be impossible on the outside. And that's why the Bible says with God, nothing, no thing will ever be impossible. But it's with God and we talked a little bit about that last week. So I wanna jump into this and I wanna give you an opening, opening really statement and that is the possible life is possible when honor becomes impossible. Honor is one of those most misunderstood things. In fact, it's one of the most misunderstood things. God wants you to be a person who walks and lives in honor, but you have to understand honor before you do that. You know, um, if you were to ask God, God, what is most important to you? And as God's son or daughter, that should be important to you, right? But God, what is most important to you? Most people, Dr. John would say, well, the most important thing to God is love because God is love, but it's not true. The God is love is true, but the most important thing to God is honor because honor is what makes love possible. And so too often times we don't understand that. We don't understand that, that like, why can't I find love? Why can't, why doesn't love work for me? You know, in our church, um, we have a core value of honor here. In fact, it's our number one core value because I believe it's the most important thing to God. And, and I'm gonna kind of break this down for you today and unwrap it a little bit and talk to you about it and ask that the Holy Spirit do something in your heart today because some of you even come to this church and you think, well, what's the deal? Like Pastor Keith walks out and everybody stands up and they clap. And by the way, they, they don't do that because we had a little talk a few years ago about, hey, I'd like you guys to honor me. So when I come out, I'd like y'all all to stand up and clap. So some people that just, here's what I know, it kind of grades on them a little bit. It's like, especially when they come to our church, like, well, what, what are we doing? We stand up and even my own wonderful son here, like Josh, Josh is just kind of uncomfortable with it. Like when he comes out and people stand up and they clap, here's what he used to say before I corrected his rear. He used to say, well, yeah, y'all stand up for yourself and yeah, y'all clap for yourself. And yeah, let's just, let's just do that because he's uncomfortable with it. And one of the reasons he's uncomfortable with being, with being honored is because truly he's an, he's an introvert. He's, a, he's a, like, I, I don't want y'all to, I don't want y'all to ooh and goo over me or, you know, it's, 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 it's all about Jesus uh, and, and, you know, all that. And I think it's sweet and I think it's wonderful. But I told him one day, I said, Josh, listen, I said, this is a house of honor. And I said, I don't ask people to stand up for me. I don't ask people to clap for me, but that, this is the house of honor. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter, that the elders, the one who teach you the word of God deserve double honor. But the problem is, is so many people do not even understand honor. And let me tell you why they don't understand honor, because there's so much dishonor in our world. 
In fact, what's wrong right now in the United States of America in particular, but particularly in the world, is there it is not a black issue, it is not a white issue, it is not a Republican issue, it is not a it is not a Democrat issue. There is a reason that Washington, DC right now looks like a third world country with fences everywhere, and it's not because of Trump, and it's not because of Biden, or it's not because of this or because of that. You know what it is? It's a spirit of dishonor. And when there is dishonor, guess what? Dishonor begins to eat and, and, and whittle away at people and who God created people to be. That's what, when you turn on the news, that's what you're gonna see. Why? Because dishonor is everywhere. And dishonor is not a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. Dishonor is a spirit. And let me tell you why you don't want to be a dishonoring person. Because whatever you sow is going to be what you reap. So I have news for dishonoring people. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. I got a word from the Lord this last week. I came out and I told Pastor Sheila, the problem with people who don't know the Bible is they do this stuff and they don't understand that there are consequences to it. That back in the day, there was a woman by the name of Esther and she had an uncle named Mordecai and there was Haman who was continually trying to impeach Mordecai and trying to impeach the people of God. And here's the bottom line, here's what happened. They built gallows to hang Mordecai and here's what the word of the Lord came to me and said, whoever's gonna build the gallows, they're gonna be the ones that hang on the gallows, not the person that's trying to hang somebody else. So listen, I'm not talking politics right now. I'm telling you, here's the principle. If you're that kind of person that's always dishonoring people, what you sow is gonna be what you reap. This is what makes honor so important. This is what makes honor important in our church because we're not just a church. I didn't start this church 21 years ago because I thought Frisco needed a church. I didn't start a church because I had something, I didn't have anything better to do with my time. I started a church first of all, because I'm absolutely insane. Some of our guys who are here, they're original 21 years ago, Chris Schaefer on the front row, uh, Scott Uncleback, Darlene Uncleback here on the front row. I shared with some of our mighty men yesterday. The month I decided to start a church, Pastor Sheila and I, that month in October of 1999, personally made $650,000 in that month, not that year, in that month. And then I felt like the Lord laid it on my heart to start a church. Yes, I started a church because I'm absolutely insane. You know what, you know, you know why I started this church? Not to have another church, Dr. Dr. Bozeman. I started a church because I felt like God wanted us to establish a tribe in little tiny Cowtown, 28,000 Frisco, no name Frisco, Texas, because I believed that God was gonna raise up 
a, a people, a tribe called Elevate Life who would have a leadership DNA, a love-based leadership culture where people of all ages and ethnicities and backgrounds and walks of life would come together and not only learn what it really means to be a Christ follower, but what it, what it, what it means to lead your life with a biblical worldview so you can take dominion and rule and reign in every area of your life. That's why we started this church. I didn't start this church because I need money. I didn't start this church because I didn't have a job. I didn't start this church because I was called to ministry. By the way, all of y'all are called to ministry. All of you are called to the kingdom, to advance God's kingdom in the earth. I started it because I traveled in every major church in the United States for my 20s and my 30s. I'm telling you all of them. And I thought there's one thing that's missing. And it's a, a church that emphasizes a leadership DNA. And I felt like it was one of the most desperate needs in the body of Christ. Leadership is the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. And it's the most important thing you'll ever do. And there's gotta be a place that you learn it. And there's gotta be a place that you, that you can see it and that it's modeled. And it's not just theoretical and it's not just transactional, but hopefully transformational. It has the power to change your life. You see, the truth is, if you can lead yourself well, you can lead one other person. If you can lead one other person, you can lead a team. If you can lead a team, you can lead an organization. If you can lead an organization, you have a chance to leave a legacy for the glory of God. So these are the things that are in my heart. So honor became our primary core value. And the reason it became our number one core value is because I believe that the possible life is possible when honor becomes impossible. Some of you are looking for a church that identifies with your race. Some of you are looking for a church that identifies with what you believe. And if you're looking for a black church or a white church, this is not it. If you're looking for a Republican church or a Democrat church, this is not it. If you're looking for a church that emphasizes the kingdom of God, then you're in the right place. And we will address issues along the way. But the reality is this is that you gotta understand something. We're a part of a greater kingdom than the country of the United States of America. We're a part of the kingdom of God for such a time as this to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. That's what God's called us to do. And that's what we're striving to do, as imperfect as we are. That's what we're striving to do. So first Chronicles four, I'm, I'm about to read one of the most inspirational passages of, of scripture that you could ever hear. Y'all ready? I want you to get ready to feel some goosebumps. Here we go. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, Shobel. Are you feeling it yet? Oh, just wait, he gets better. And Rhea, the son of Shobel, begot Jehoth, and Jehoth begot Ahame, and Ahame begot Lahad. Some of y'all are getting it. You're feeling it right now. These were the families, this is it right here. These were the family of the, of the Zoratites. Whoo! Hold on to your seat. It gets better. These were the sons of the father of Edom, Jezreel, 
Isma Ilbash. Oh, and listen to this one. And the name of their sisters, a woman made it. Heather Laboni. I love that name. You need to write that one down, especially. It gets better. And Penuel was the father of Gidor. Gidor! Gidor! And Ezer was the father of Husha. These were the sons of her, the firstborn of Ephrath, the father of Bethlehem. Stay with me. I know you're feeling it. And Asher, the father of Tekoa. Hey, he didn't have one wife. He had two wives, Hela and Nara. Nara bore him a Huzan. Hefer, Tamini, and Heshatatari. Are you feeling it yet? This is the word of the Lord. These were the sons of Nara. The sons of Hela were Zareth and Zohar and Ethnan. And cause begot Anub. Zobiba and the families of Hahari and the son of Haram. Oh, I just wanted to read you that because I don't know if that does for you what it does for me way deep down in here. In the book of First Chronicles, there's 500 names that are listed. I just read you the first eight verses that I know you, you want more. You want more, but I'm gonna stop. I just read you 44 names that I know some of you right now are just like, mm, Gidor. All of a sudden, we get to the next verse. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, O Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be upon me, that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. So the Lord granted him what he requested. And then the names start again. Why in the world, in the middle of 44 names and 500, would God say, I want you to stop and I want you to hear about one of the brothers in one of the families in this tribe of Judah. You see, why would these names be listed? First of all, let me just give you a little side note here because our Lord and Savior, our risen Lord and Savior, the one who came, lived a sinless life, 
who shed his blood on the cross for your sins, who took 39 stripes on his back, and by his stripes we are the healed. He came from this tribe. And so when these names are listed, it's like, it's like a wonderful movie that you watch. And when the movie's over and the screen goes off and all of a sudden the names begin to scroll, everybody gets up and leaves. But that great movie would have never been made if it hadn't been for every name that's on those credits that made that movie possible. So I took a little time to read something that seems like it's a little boring, but you see these names are proof that there's not only a tribe called Judah, but there's a savior called Jesus who came from the lion, the lion the tribe of Judah and in the midst of all these names it was God it's his word that he said I want you to stop at Jabez because his name deserves more than just to be read he was more honorable than all his brothers wow can I just tell you again that everything the possible life has to afford you because of Jesus is impossible before it's outwardly possible. And how does that happen? By honor. The word honor is used 240 times in the Bible. The etymology of honor in the Old Testament is kabod. It literally means the weight and glory of God. In the New Testament, the word tamao means to prize or to ascribe value, to see as precious and valuable as one who sees himself as a person who's valued by others. Why is there so much dishonor in our world? All you have to do is turn on the television and somebody's talking about somebody and dishonoring somebody. Like, why is there so much dishonor? Is it really because of our beliefs or is it because of honor that's desperately missing? And I want to backtrack and just say, if you ask God, God, what's the most important thing to you? It's not love. It's honor because you don't get to love without honor. And God says, I want you to learn to honor other people because I want you to be honored. I don't want you to dishonor people that are different than you. And the people that you're going to love in your life, it's going to be because from the inside out, you have, you have honor. I started calling Sheila Precious a long time ago because I'm so honored that I get to do life with somebody like her. So I had to, I couldn't just go with what her parents named her. I had to give her a name. And around here, she's become Pastor Precious and now her grandchildren call her Precious because you see, when you ascribe honor to somebody, she used to tell me, she goes, I don't know if I want our grandchildren to call us Precious. I don't think, I don't know if I deserve that. I said, oh yes, no, yes. 
you do deserve that. She goes, I don't know. I don't just feel precious, but I'm just telling you, not only is she precious, listen to me, but you're precious. Like wherever, wherever you are in your journey, you're precious. And when you know that you're precious and when you know you're valuable, can I just tell you something? It will be very hard for you to speak in a dishonorable way about other people because of how you see yourself. And that's why God wants you to have honor. So a biblical definition of honor, and I want you to really hear this, is an internal attitude or disposition of esteem or value or respect and care for other people. So Chuck, if you got something for me, thank you. an internal attitude or disposition of esteem and value and respect, care for other people. Now watch this, this is biblical, that empowers one to love others as Christ loved us and therefore gave himself for us. It is a disposition internal of excellence that empowers you to bestow excellence on other people. That's one of the reasons I coach. This is our mastermind week coming up. And for the first time we're offering a Zoom call to just try to get people in the pipeline that need coaching and need help. And so we've gotten response literally from people all over the world that I feel like one of the unique things that God has put in my heart is, and that he's given me a gift to be able to do is to see excellence in people. It's like to see something in somebody and then to draw that out. And eventually, if I can see the value in them and maybe even help them think about some things they're not thinking about or think better about some things that maybe they need to think better about, then maybe they can be monetized for that. Maybe that, that can be something that's valued in the future. So that's one of the things that I do. And so again, just as a side note, if you're interested in that, we, 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 we're trying to just leave that as open as much as we can. We really, really are almost completely full. But this week I told David, I said, I want you to set up in the lobby. And I said, we're gonna, we're gonna offer it again for people who really do wanna grow because here's the thing, excellence is something that first of all, it has to be inside you. What is excellence? What's the definition of excellence? The best. Excellence and perfection are very different. Perfection is looking right and th th thinking people, you know, see you and, and doing the right things. That's, that's perfection. A lot of people are perfectionism because they don't want to do anything wrong. They have a disease to please. They don't want to disappoint people, including in their marriage. But excellence is different. Excellence is inward. It's, it's the spirit. And so somebody's got to see that in you. Somebody's got to bring that out of you. I encourage everybody to have a coach. If, if a guy like Tiger Woods had three coaches and arguably is the greatest golfer of all time, it was a way better golfer than his coaches. Do you know that everybody I coach, I mean, Dr. Elisa is here. She's the, the leading toxologist in the world. I have the privilege of coaching her. She, I am not smart. And people like her know it. It's like, she goes, now I'm paying you, why? But the truth is she's investing in herself. And what's amazing is somehow God uses my butter knife to sharpen her Ginzu. 
And that's really the truth. Or Veronica's here, my friend Veronica, really one of the smartest people, one of the smartest people I know. And I, I get the privilege of, of, of being in a room with her and helping her and, and she helps me and she helps a lot of other people that are in that room to think better. And to, so anyway, that's, that's something that's available to you. But here's my point. The point is, is that, that honor is a disposition that develops a spirit of excellence on the inside of you that God did that so you can see the excellence and the best that's in other people, starting with those who are around you that you love the most. So let me explain it this way in layman's terms. Is this on the back screen? Do they have this, Josh? I didn't know in the first service. But honor is, the, just, just take a look at this. I want you to, like, would you just do something with me, everybody? Just say, God, help me right now. Just receive from me what you want. Okay, so just look at this. It's the ability to see the best in others when the worst has been displayed and believe the best in others because someone believes the best in and for themselves. So, so let me just tell you this, and they're gonna leave that up there for a minute if you, don't, you guys don't mind. But let me just explain this to you. You don't have the chance to see the best in others if you, if you do not have a desire on the inside to be the best you can be. And this is what makes honor so important because as you develop a spirit of honor, you're not just honoring God, you're not just honoring other people, but you're honoring yourself. And because you're sowing honor, you're gonna reap honor. And so again, honor is the ability to see the best in others when the worst has been displayed and believe the best in others because someone believes the best in and for themselves. The, it, it's this ability to see and believe the best in, everybody say in, in others is only possible when you desire to be the best that you can be for God. And that's the kind of church that I wanted to build. It's still a dream, but I wanted to build an incubator for excellence, an incubator for leadership, an incubator for success. Now, I don't have time to go into it, but if there's a trifecta for leadership, it's these three things. It's self-discipline. You're not gonna be a leader if you can't discipline yourself. It's excellence. I wanna be the best that I can be. So I don't wanna be better than somebody else, but I wanna be the best that I can be. And then it's wisdom. Those three things is what makes a leader a leader. A leader is not a leader because they have a position. A leader is a leader because they are a disciplined person. They do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Then they carry a spirit and develop a spirit of excellence of striving to be their best. That's why with our kids, we, we wanted them to clean up their room. Not because we wanted to be hard parents or we wanted them to make up their bed. Why? Because we were striving to develop a spirit of excellence. It wasn't like, oh, why do I need to clean up my room? Why do I need to make up my bed? Because someday you're gonna have a house. Someday you're gonna have your own space. Why do I need to keep my car clean? You need to keep your car clean because that's your space. Your space, watch this, on the outside represents your space on the inside. So it's so important that we understand why we do what we do. We don't do what we do so we can be clean and not dirty. 
So things can be made up rather than unmade. We do it because it's a continual development of, guess what? I honor myself when I make my bed up. I honor myself when I take care of my space. And in honoring God in that process, guess what he does? He increases my space. If I'll take care of what I have, he gives me more. So next, I want you to see this. The disposition of a spirit of excellence, the impossible working of striving to be the best for God makes the outworking or bestowing of honor possible. So when I see people, whether it's in politics or wherever in life, not giving honor, here's what I know. They do not have a disposition of excellence. Therefore, their life is not gonna be characterized by excellence. Therefore, they're not only, they not only see the, do not see the best in themselves, they cannot see the best in other people. And some of the most dishonorable people that you'll ever see or witness are people that are so, they don't even realize why they're so frustrated. And the reason they're so frustrated and so mean and so dishonorable is because if you decide not to do this on the inside, the opposite of this is not best, but it's worst. So again, therefore one's disposition, the unseen inward constitution of one's mind, will, and emotions that forms one's internal attitudes. So let me stop right here and say this, okay? So your disposition is what nobody sees. We are body, soul, and spirit, or what I, how I like to say it is we are spirit, soul, and body. Our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, listen very carefully now, is the axis on which our spirit is able to operate through the capsule of our body. So again, going back to your marriage, what you're drawn to in that person or what you're drawn to when you're attracted to somebody is not just the physical. Yeah, there's some chemistry, there's all these things. Compatibility, I could go on and on. But the reality is you're drawn to the spirit of that person. People do not get divorced because there's an adultery. People do not get divorced because of this or that that happens out here. They get divorced because whatever they were attracted to on the inside changes or in themselves, this person is not being to me what I need this person to be, rather than the focus being, if it's to be, it's up to me, okay? So one's disposition, the unseen inward constitution of one's mind, will, and emotions that forms one's internal attitudes determines one's position. So everybody say this with me, say disposition, determines position. The inward determines the outward. So watch this. The seen outward effects in relationship to what becomes possible or impossible in your life ultimately is based on not what they said, what they did, a new product, a new job, making more money, but what happens on the inside right here. This is what makes honor so important because honor develops the constitution of your spirit of excellence as a son and daughter of the most high God. 
And it starts, young people, children, and the rest of us who are still young and still children at heart with honoring our parents. So the enemy tries to get you very early to be disobedient, to have a bad attitude towards your parents, to not do what they tell you to do because the enemy wants to set a course in your life where you are not honored, but you're dishonored. So your first lessons of learning honor, the Bible says, is to honor your father and mother. It's the first, it's the first, it's, it's where for most of us, we've had the most difficult. So why is honor a big deal to God? I wanna answer this and we're gonna be through. Number one, honoring God is the most important thing you will ever do. So honor is the one thing that makes everything in your life work like God intended it. Really hear me. Now, now everybody listen, okay? Y'all, y'all with me? Say, say I'm with you if you're with me. Okay, Jesus' brother is a man by the name of James. He grew up with him. He wrote the book of James. And in the book of James, here's what Jesus' brother said. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Now, why would Jesus' brother say that? Because he grew up with Jesus. And he didn't believe he was the son of God. He was, hey, you're my bro, man. I know, but I'm the Christ. What? Yeah, before mom was married, Holy Spirit got her pregnant. And I'm the result of it. You, on the other hand, came from dad, Joe, and Ma, Mary. So, so again, he grew up with Jesus. He didn't believe he was the son of God. So then, when Jesus dies on a cross, watch this now, and he is raised from the dead, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to a bunch of people, 500 people, and he, the, the Bible lists names. One of the people he appeared to was James, his own brother. And at that point, James goes, you are, you're, you're him, okay. You, 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 you are him. And he, he would later become the Bishop of Jerusalem. Now here's what Jesus' brother said. He heard it all the time, but he didn't do it. Now, let me tell you, James Honeycutt, what my personal problem is in bridging the gap between being a hearer of the word and the doer of the word. I'm sitting in the eighth grade in an algebra class. And my thought was, what in the world does this have to do with anything that I'm going to do in my life? Come on, y'all. Some of y'all are with me. What? I, I, I don't even know. And, 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 and then, then you start having an attitude about it. I don't even know why I need to go to school. This is ridiculous. Why do we have to go to these classes? So watch this. Very early in life, we hear things, but we don't do them. By the way, I failed algebra. Watch this. Not because algebra was too much for me, but because I heard it, but I didn't do it. So then I went through summer school and I made A's. Well, isn't that amazing? I hated every second of it, even worse. But here's what happened. I just wanna explain to you early why you're wired the way you're and why I'm wired the way I am. Our education system is based on the industrial revolution. 
You got to learn the three R's that aren't even three R's. Writing, reading, and arithmetic. Could somebody tell our educators that is not three R's? It's like it's a disconnect with me. I know I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I get that. So here's my point. It's very easy for us, listen, to hear what we need to do and just not do it. So with that said, what's the big deal with honor? Honoring God's the most important thing you can ever do. Let's go all the way back, 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 back. I've showed you this before, but some of you are new. After all the contents and the introduction and the preface, preface, then, then, then I'm gonna read the Old Testament. Then there's a little summary of the Old Testament. Chapter one finally starts. I go to chapter one, God creates everything. First seven days, right? I get to the second chapter on the back of the first page and God says, hey, it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needs a helper. That boy needs some help. So God causes a deep sleep to fall on him. He wakes up and goes, whoa, man. God goes, that's her name. Whoa, man. By the way, Adam, as you honor her, listen, you're honoring not only the best part of yourself because I took her out of you, but you're honoring me. So learn to honor her really well. Then we turn over one page and we get to chapter three. Chapter three, it starts to come unhinged. Now we're two pages into the Bible. First family, first couple, totally dysfunctional. They have two sons that wanna kill themselves. One of them eventually does kill the other one. This is how God's kingdom started. Idiotness, totally. Not doing it God's way. We get to the third chapter, watch what happens. The Bible says, Eve's walking through the garden one day. All of a sudden, she ends up at a place where God says, all this is y'all's by the way, but there's just one thing in the garden that's mine and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it, don't eat of it, it's mine. That's where she ends up. Long story short, her and Adam both don't have time to go into the whole story. The devil says, hey, if you really are the son of God, I mean, if you really are God's children, then why don't you go ahead and eat this? Well, God said, this is his. Everybody say honor. honor. Wasn't about the fruit. Wasn't about if it was an apple that Steve Jobs decided to use as his icon with a big bite out of it. But watch this. It was the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of what will hurt you and the knowledge of what will help you. The knowledge of what will make you a failure or the knowledge of what will make you a success. So the devil says, God, uh, listen, God just knows if you eat of this, you'll be like him. And so Eve saw that it was good for food. She desired to make her wise. Hey, God sent Adam a helpmate. And he's frolicking, I guess, somewhere in the jungle, naked, hanging out with the elephants. She's having this conversation. No, that isn't what he was doing. You know how we know? Because she saw it was good for food. She desired to make her wife. She took it, she ate it, and then she handed it to Adam. Adam was like most men. The first sin is passivity. It's like, oh yeah, hey, you want to go to church? Uh, yeah, I'll go to church with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like that church anymore. I don't either. Let's go somewhere else. Just passive, just passive. Not man not taking his place. So they took it, they ate it. Long story short, listen, 
The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not about fruit, just like your money and given to God is not about money. It's about honor. Everybody say honor. honor. So God said, watch this now. If you lined up $10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, he says, that first one's mine. Oh, I really don't agree with that. It's my money. By the way, why does the church need my money? Church is always talking about money. I, I, don't, I don't buy into that giving God the first tenth of anything. He didn't just want a tenth, he wants the first one. Yeah, but I don't really agree with that. And so we kind of live like this. And some of us in the kingdom, in the kingdom a long time, sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't do it. And then some of us don't do it at all. And it ain't about giving our money, watch this. It's about living with a spirit of honor. And if God says the first dollar that he gave you the power to make is his, you can decide it's not true or not. But guess what side of life you decided to live on? Not honor, but dishonor. So God can't help you with your money. God can't help you with your business. God can't help you with your family. God can't do what he says he'll do if you'll do what he says to do, open the windows of heaven over your life and pour out blessings on you you cannot contain. Why? Because the tree was not about fruit and your money is not about your giving. It's about honor. So why is honor a big deal to God? Here's the second reason. Honor makes insecurity impossible. I want, I want you to be honest with me. I've already got my hand raised. How many of you have struggled or are struggling or feel like you have struggled with insecurity? Let me just see your hands. Let, let me tell you what the Bible says. For God is not, does not give us, for the spirit of God, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So honor makes insecurity impossible. In fact, I like to say it this way. Insecurity is fake humility. Oh, I'm not that good at that. Oh, I can't do that. Okay. You're a child of the living God. Oh, I'm not that big a deal. Oh, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Oh. And then people who don't deal with their insecurity end up being the most offended people in the earth because somebody hurt their feelings. Because watch this, you're going to hurt people's feelings who already feel bad about themselves anyway. And they just stay stuck. Honor is the antidote for insecurity. Now watch this. You have to humble yourself to give honor. Pastor Sheila told me recently, she said, you know, there was somebody who was in her life and she said, I really just kind of feel sorry for this person. It was kind of the spirit in which she was saying, and we were just talking and she said, because like when I'm around this person, like, there's never an encouraging word. She said, not because I need encouragement, but I just, I feel sorry for them and I, I spend time encouraging them, but they never say anything encouraging. You know why? Because you have to be secure to encourage other people. You have to be secure to say, hey, you look nice today. You have to be secure to give somebody a compliment. This is, what's, this is what happens in marriages. People don't feel encouragement. What, what is encouragement? It means to speak strength into. And so oftentimes, because people don't feel good about themselves, watch this, how can they make somebody around them feel good about themselves? So humility is so important. In fact, the only time, the only thing that comes before honor in scripture is humility. 
And so look at what the Bible says about humility. This is so powerful. The reward, everybody say reward. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord or honor is riches, honor, and life. Let me prophesy over you in 2021. Riches, honor, and life are coming into your sphere in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. That's a, that's a promise. But you have to humble yourself about your money. You have to humble yourself about your life from a disposition from the inside and say, I'm gonna give honor, okay? Let me, let me just pause for a second. I've shared this before, before I share the last thing. Um, hey, where's my little Keila? She's not in here right now. Okay. So she just had a baby and anyway, so <laughs> Keila, if you're listening, I get it, but it's all right. So she's here somewhere. Smoking a cigarette and taking care of her baby. Uh, <laughs> that's what I always say about people. That's what Vicky does. She'll go out of the service and beat a weed and then come back in. Anyway, so um, I'm, just, I'm just joking. But, but listen, some of y'all know this story, but let me be redundant for a minute. So some of you know I travel 40 plus weeks a year when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I would leave on Saturday and come back on Thursday. And sometimes I got to take my family with me on ministry trips. And Dr. John Bozeman hosted our team strike for us at his great church in Lake Charles. And I would come in on Thursdays. I'd seen my family a lot of times all week long. I'd, I would get there very early. And so I was trying to sneak in on this one Thursday morning so I wouldn't wake people up. All of a sudden from around the corner, I could hear these little feet and Keila comes around the corner and she goes, <gasps> by the way, every man, ladies, let me just pause for a second. If you can just do one thing, sometimes when you see your husband just go, Every time you look at me that way, that's an old uh, church song. Anyway, so just every once in a while, I'll give him a, you just took my breath away. You'll like melt him. You will have him eating rice out of your hands as if that's a thing. I don't know where that came from. How about putting diamonds on your fingers? That, that sounds better. That sounds better than eating rice out of your hand. Just every once in a while, I'll give him a. So anyway, she comes around the corner. She goes, she goes. Well, all right, my heart was going. She's four years old. She runs towards me as I'm reaching out to her. She drops on her hands and knees, kisses my feet, looks up in my eyes, lifts up her hands and says, Welcome home, my prince. <laughs> I had two thoughts. The first thought I had was, where did you learn this? <laughs> the second thought was, your mother needs to learn this. <laughs> so I go, Keila, come here, baby, come here, come here. I go, listen, I want you to go get your mom and do exactly the same thing. She goes, okay. She runs out. All of a sudden I hear her say, mommy, mommy, are you watching? You watching? You watching? Watching? I'm thinking, yeah, mommy, are you watching? Yeah. She comes up, <gasps> looks over to mom, kisses my feet, the whole thing. Welcome home, my prince. So I, I look at Sheila and I go, man, where did she learn that? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, just so you know, I, I, I think that's a proper greeting. <laughs> I just like, here to for, here to for. 
she started laughing and walked over and gave me a kiss and said, what would you like for breakfast? And it never really stuck with her. <laughs> but for Keila, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, into her high school years, every time she saw me when I came into the house, she did that. And I'm telling you, so I got to tell on her a little bit. Sorry, Keila. So here's what happens in a marriage and here's what happens in life. When somebody does something like that and you really like it, why not have that forever? <laughs> right? Like when you got married, here's an old, another old church song. Do what you did when you did what you did to me. Oh yeah. Uh-huh, hymn number 123. Do what you did. Jermaine Jackson's only hit song. When you did what you did. I'm going old school, some of y'all know. You, you know what happens in marriage? We stop doing what we did when we did what we did. And we allow familiarity to set in. And all of a sudden the spark, or another church song, the thrill is gone, baby. And we can't figure out why the thrill goes. And the thrill goes is because we stopped doing what we did when we did that helped that person see what was really in our spirit. And somewhere along the way, we think, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. So I walked, I, I, I didn't just walk in, I kind of knocked and then I, opened, I stuck my head through the door of Keila's office here uh, this week. And uh, Michelle, who works with her, was in her office. And she goes, hi, Pastor Keith. I go, hi, I miss. And I gave her a hug. Keila's head's in her computer. And so I walked over to her desk. She's still not looking at me. She goes, she goes hi, Dad. Still looking at her computer. I go, Keila, <laughs> I'm your father. Still. And when I come in the room, you stand up. And you look me in the eye and you give me a hug and you give me a kiss. She goes, <laughs> she laughs like that. Oh, okay, dad. I thought, watch this now. Sometimes you can't teach honor. You just know when somebody does it, how it makes you feel. And I don't expect, honestly, I don't expect Keila to do that. Of course not. Kiss my feet but I'll never forget it because of how it made me feel. I've had the privilege to share the platform with every former president besides Obama and do large events where I would be in the green room with just the president of the United States and also people like Margaret Thatcher and Mikhail Gorbachev and just world leaders. I could just, the list goes on and on. I remember one day when I first met Bill Clinton, they came in the room, the Secret Service comes in, they check everything out first. I'm the only one in the room. And all of a sudden, Bill Clinton comes in. Well, just to be very honest, I did not vote for Bill. So when Bill came in, I didn't go, hey, Bill, what's up? When Bill Clinton, the president of the United States, walked in the room, I stood up. My mama didn't teach me that. My politics didn't teach me that. 
When he walked in the room, he is the president of the United States. And I stood to my feet and then I met him. And before that day was over, I had his hand in my hand, him asking me to pray for him and me put my arm around him because the honor and saying, you're not just from Hope, Arkansas, but God has called you even after the presidency to bring hope to the world. I don't know how you're gonna do that. He said, I need you to pray for me so that I can do that. That's really what's in my heart. You see, here's the truth. The truth is honor. Here's the last thing I wanna tell you, breeds honor. It breeds honor. And we don't honor people because they deserve it. We honor people, listen to me, because we're honorable. I don't honor somebody because they deserve it. I honor because I am an honorable person and God needs a people. He needs a tribe in the earth who are not CNNers, who are not Foxers or whatever you're happening to watch these days that you like or agree with. He just wants some people that live the word of the living God and that walk in a spirit of honor and a spirit of excellence. That's God's heart. So Jabez, 44 names, and all of a sudden God says, stop, talk about him. What did he do to be more honorable? Look at the screen. He said, oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me, that you would keep me from evil so that I might not cause pain. And God said, that's what he did to be more honorable than his brother. And when you're more honorable than your brothers and your sisters and whoever else is in the world, God will grant your request. And so you know how I wanna end this service? Listen to me, here's how I wanna end this service. And I'm gonna give you a challenge that from here to four in 2021, that you would pray this prayer with me every day. Oh Lord, that you would bless me, that you would bless me indeed. Indeed in the Hebrew is exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. That you would bless me, not just a little bit God, but that you would bless me a lot because God, I don't just want you to bless me for me, but I know you're looking for conduits. You're looking for conduits of blessing in the earth. So God, I'm asking for you to bless my life. I'm asking you to bless my family. I'm asking you to bless this church. I'm asking you to bless my finances. God, I'm asking that because I know that I will be a blessing to other people. So I don't apologize for asking you, God, bless me and bless me a lot. I'm going to challenge you this year in the year of possible that God is going to bless you a lot, not because you're perfect, not because you're making all the right decisions, but God is going to stop and he's gonna see a person of honor that says, God, you know what I'm struggling with. <laughs> you know the parts of me that are right, but in spite of that, God, would you bless me? Would you bless me, not because I deserve it, but you see the more honorable piece is regardless of myself and my, and my sin and regardless of where I am in my journey, God, he distinguishes me to you if I see you as God, and if I want your blessing. And oh, by the way, God, would you enlarge my territory? Everything that you've put in my hands, my sphere, God, would you enlarge it for your glory? Oh God, would you put your hand on me? God, would you put your hand on me? 
And God, if you'll put your hand on me, would you please keep me from evil so that my life doesn't cause pain, but my life adds value and my life gives gain wherever I go. And if we'll pray a prayer like that, I believe this and God put this on my heart. In 2021, whatever has been impossible for you is gonna be possible because you're gonna begin to honor God with your life. Again, not because you got it all together, but you're honoring God enough to say, God, I honor you as God and I need your blessing. I need your blessing. Would you just tell him that in your own life right now? God, I need your blessing. I don't just want you to bless me, but I want you to bless me indeed. Come on, pray that. I want you to bless me indeed. God, I want you to enlarge my territory. God, whatever you've put me on the earth to do, would you enlarge it? I can't, I can't do it on my own. God, enlarge my territory. God, would you put your hand on me? Come on, ask him right now. Just say, God, put your hand on my life. I don't deserve it. God, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, but God, would you put your hand on my life? And God says, you're honoring me. You're asking me to do what I do. And then God, would you keep me? Would you keep me from evil? Help me to live not on the pain side of life, but on the gain side of life. So that what I gain and the value that I have in you, I can give that gain to other people. And the Lord granted his request. Can I just tell you in front of God and everybody, Veronica, God's gonna, God's gonna bless me this year like never before. God's gonna bless you and your husband and your son and your daughter. I can look around the room and just call different names. God's gonna bless you, but you gotta ask him for it. So let's pray it together. Come on, are you ready? Oh Lord, say it, come on. Would you bless me indeed? Would you enlarge my territory? That your hand would be upon me, that you would keep me from evil so that I might not cause pain. Come on, pray it one more time. Pray it with some fervency. Oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me and that you would keep me from evil so that I might not cause pain. And then I want you to say this, and the Lord granted my request. Come on, the Lord granted my request. He's granting your request right now. Come on, church. He's granting my request. This is the Bible. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.